0: The reading this morning is from James, chapter one, verses 19 to 27. Uh, In your church Bible, that's page 12, 13. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves and their, religious, their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Margaret. Good morning, everyone. And for the benefit of those of you who don't know who I am, uh, my name's Simon Walker, and I'm one of the licensed lay ministers uh, here at St Peter's. Before we uh, turn to tackle God's word, uh, let's just pray. Gracious Father, please speak to us today through your word and my words. Send your Holy Spirit to challenge and empower us. As we respond, use us to build your kingdom, giving honour and glory to your Son. Amen. When kicking off our summer series looking at James last week, Richard uh, made three points which are relevant today. The first, we're all in this together. God's word applies to us all, not just as individuals, although yes, we're each called to respond in our own lives. But also side by side with our fellow followers of Jesus, supporting one another as we respond, and as a community of believers, reinforcing or amplifying the impact of our response together. Secondly, the call to develop character, practicing virtues and listening to our conscience, which together lead us to holy habits. And thirdly, James isn't about earning salvation, but reflecting salvation in our lives. He gives practical advice and challenge designed to bear fruit. Now let's look uh, briefly at our passage for today. James begins, Dear brothers and sisters, reminding us we're all in this together. And immediately afterwards, he gives a word of warning be quick to listen, slow to speak, good advice for preachers, and slow to become angry. A word of warning he reinforces later by his injunction, keep a tight rein on your tongue. James emphasises the need for self-control, a holy habit and the fruit of the Spirit, reflecting our salvation. Then James highlights a key aim or objective of his message, producing the righteousness that God desires, which comes with a powerful promise for those who follow his advice. They will be blessed in what they do. The righteousness that God desires involves twin actions, two sides of the same coin, heads moving away from the world's way. Human anger, moral filth, prevalent evil, or as James puts it, keep from being polluted. And clearly James sees these as real hazards to be fought off. And also at the same time, tales moving towards the perfect law that gives freedom and brings blessing. As James urges, accept it and do what it says, for they will be blessed in what they do. What God desires is righteousness in us individually and together. What God promises is blessing for us explicitly and also implicitly through us. This implicit blessing to others through us becomes clear when we look at the real life example James gives, an example which highlights the radical difference between the world and the Church of Jesus Christ as we live out our salvation. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Look after orphans and widows in their distress. James writes about real people, literal widows and orphans. So why the concern? Why look after them? Well, widows and orphans were dependent, financially at risk with no husband or father to provide for them and no welfare state to fall back on. Inevitably, they were bereaved or grieving, emotionally hurt, needing comfort in their distress. Widows and orphans were the least important, socially disadvantaged, very much at the bottom of the pile. Women and children vulnerable to exploitation. Now I speculate, but might James have been there in the synagogue at Nazareth when Jesus read the prophecy of Isaiah? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners And recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. If not, he certainly knows about it. And what seems clear to me is that James understands, he gets this. Righteousness is about living right, reflecting the holiness and the loving character of God in action. Religion, that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless, is this. Look after orphans and widows in their distress. Yet surely his point applies and extends to figurative widows and orphans, including people who are poor, struggling financially and at risk, even with benefits. Those who are sick in body or mind, emotionally hurt and needing comfort. People who are seeking refuge, refugees or asylum status, who've lost home and livelihood, strangers and aliens in a foreign land, especially or perhaps uniquely vulnerable to exploitation. I believe his point, his call, applies and extends to anyone who's disadvantaged. The world operates, as it always has, by different standards. With a dog-eat-dog mentality where strength is valued, Sometimes even thinking, might is right. Where exploiting the weak or disadvantaged is nothing new. After all, slavery of the weaker has been a fact of life since time immemorial. Rape and pillage of the beaten has been the traditional way of victorious warlords, chiefs and kings down the ages. Blake's dark satanic mills were built and run on the labour of the have-nots for the benefit of the haves. Desperate women and defenceless children are still being trafficked into our country today for sex or as slaves in all but name. And how vividly we've been reminded of that only this week in the story of Mo Farah. Exploiting the weak or disadvantaged is the world's way, the evil that is so prevalent. Last month, I updated my safeguarding training as a church leader. Refreshingly, but also deeply challenging, this wasn't all about the process, what to do when uh, or how or when to do it those sorts of things. Instead, we began by thinking about our culture, our attitudes as leaders, the example we model for others to follow, the behaviours or habits, the fruit we produce as a result. And, sadly, considering the tragedy, the trauma, and the consequences when churches get this wrong. As I reflected, I was really struck by two lessons from the Bible. First, way back in the Old Testament, there's a well-known prayer, the Aaronic Blessing, which we still use today. You all know it. It begins, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Now that word keep, is about protecting, looking after, caring for, what we call safeguarding. It's what James talks about in this passage when he says, look after orphans and widows in their distress. And it's not limited to stopping harm, but includes doing good, and bringing blessing to others. And secondly, Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. Clearly, it's his example that we're meant to follow as individual Christians and collectively as the Church of Jesus Christ. An example radically different from the world's way. So, as individual Christians and collectively as the Church of Jesus Christ, we seek to protect from harm. Now, of course, this applies to children, and that's what most of us think immediately when we hear about safeguarding. But the same also applies to vulnerable adults. So let's pause a moment and ask ourselves, who counts as a vulnerable adult? And let me suggest two possibilities, which hopefully you can take away and dissect or digest over a nice cool lunch. First, anyone who's disadvantaged by any situation or circumstance, however temporary, may be rendered vulnerable. It's not only those with learning difficulties or physical disabilities. And secondly, anyone who's less powerful or important when compared to you or me may be vulnerable, vulnerable to you or me. So as individual Christians and collectively as the Church of Jesus Christ, we seek to look after and care for, well, basically anyone and everyone, others. Why? Because there really is no limit to the breadth of God's love. It's why we're doing what we can for people and families who fled the war in Ukraine. And so as individual Christians and collectively as the Church of Jesus Christ, we seek to reach out and support the poor in our neighbourhood. It's why we're doing what we're doing with our CAP Debt Centre, through the centre manager Jules and befrienders like Catherine from whom we heard last week. James lays down a twin challenge. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless, is this, look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep from being polluted by the world. But it's a challenge which surely applies and extends to anyone who's disadvantaged or vulnerable. And at the heart of fulfilling the first leg, Moving towards the righteousness that God desires, surely, is what Paul emphasises in Philippians 2. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. James gives a real-life example, something which we can take away and apply today showing what it looks like when we have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, living as radically different from the ways of the world, reflecting our salvation. And at the heart of the second leg, moving away from the world's way, surely is what Paul explains in Galatians 5. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. James highlights the importance of self-control. Everyone should be slow to become angry and keep a tight rein on their tongue. Self-control remains something we need today as we fight to keep from being polluted by the world. And, of course, self-control remains one part of the fruit of the Spirit. So finally, let's remember that key aim. The righteousness that God desires, the holy habits or right living, which reflect our salvation by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And the powerful promise, they will be blessed in what they do. And I say, bring blessing to others as we put that faith into action. Amen.